This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by my co-host Tyler Rucker. Tyler, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm ready to get another episode. Like I said earlier on social media, if you guys didn't see, you know, me and Metcalf are going to try to do two a week and hopefully not get out of control and try to push three a week. But um, no, chaotic day. I'm very excited for the weekend. I'm excited to talk some more hoops with you. So I, I think we got a fun episode lined up. How are you doing, Mr. Metcalf? How, how's life treating you? Oh, I'm swell. Finding ways to be busy of every minute of every day. But that's how life goes sometimes. Um, but no, I, the, the topic that we came up with today, I'm pretty excited about because it's just a little bit of change of pace. And it's kind of looking back at what we originally thought on some of the guys and how they've grown into the NBA players that we're seeing today. And since it is all-star weekend, focusing on the rising stars game kind of felt relevant and applicable. And within that, we do have a few G league ignite guys um, for this year's draft and even next year's that will obviously get to. So it's we're, we're tying multiple years into one, one podcast here. Um, but it seemed like the best place to kind of just start out with going through this kind of weird rising stars format is just going team by team and talking about guys who are playing, who are in this game, uh, where we had them in past years, rankings, what we've liked, what we've disliked, what surprised us. Did we get anything spot on? So hopefully we'll eat a little bit of crow to our own horn uh, and just kind of have some fun with it. And the first team that we're going to start out with is Team Barry, and that consists of Cade Cunningham, Dyson Daniels, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Alperin Shangun, Jay Sean Tate, and Franz Wagner. And on, on the surface, that team feels really stacked. Um, from that group, what do any of those guys really stand out to you in terms of what they've done so far in the NBA? I mean, Franz Wagner is probably the guy that has really impressed me. You know, I know there's going to be two guys on that team that you just mentioned and Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, they're probably going to be neck and neck for rookie of the year. But I think what Franz has done this year just has completely blown me out of the water. Um, you know, it's funny, like, when you brought this segment up, I was so excited because we're always talking about the draft. That's what we're going to do, like moving on. But we're also NBA fans. You know, we love watching NBA games as much as we possibly can. Now, you know, I'm guilty of saying I wish I've watched 10 times more NBA games than I have in previous years. But with what we're doing at No Ceilings, I think you can back it up, Metcalf. Like the amount of college I've watched so far this year is probably 10 times more than other yes. previous years, just because we're all pushing each other. So it, it's been interesting to watch Wagner this year. You know, I, it's just one of those guys I was way lower on. 
I don't know where you were at, but I think I had him around 23rd. Um, oh, like wow. you said, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to eat crow on that one. And this is going to be a fun segment because I found my old big boards and I was looking, I haven't seen my big board from two years ago and like almost, you know, literally two years. So um, it's going to be fun to do this because, you know, I have no shame, but my thing with Franz when I was evaluating him was I didn't, it wasn't that I thought he was a bad player. I just thought, you know, I didn't see this sort of early contributing from him. Like I thought it was going to take him a while. He was going to be this really nice piece, like a complimentary piece. But what he's showing with the magic this year is just awesome. And, and I'm wish I had him way higher. I know a lot of people throughout the pre-draft process last year, thought Franz was a top 10 guy and hey, they look like geniuses and I look like an idiot. And, I, and I'm proud to say that it was just one of those puzzling guys that I, I thought he was going to be a nice third or fourth guy, but I did not see this type of, you know, contribution. So what about you, Ty? I mean, were you high on Franz? I, I forget you're Mr. Michigan. So you're automatically going to have them towards the lottery, but well, yeah, what did yeah. you think? I, I had Franz at 11. Okay. Um, and, you know, just way too early. I mean, we're two thirds of the way through their first NBA season. So it's, you know, I, I don't want to put disclaimer or I want to put a disclaimer out that we're not out on any of these guys necessarily. But, you know, the only regrets kind of looking at my board right now on who I had above him is guys like James Booknight and, you know, even Moses Moody, who I had at nine and Zaire Williams at 10. But I think those guys are more long-term than I ever expected Franz to be. And I thought Franz wasn't necessarily a finished product, but a, a little bit closer to that. But what's I, I think what's been so fascinating about him this year is the scoring. And mm-hmm. I mean, he was always pegged as this elite shooter when he came over from Germany to Michigan. And then he just never really shot it that well. Um, he's up to 36% from three on three and a half attempts a game. So it's solid, but it's the 15.6 points per game on almost 13 attempts, which I'm stunned by not because, so I, I, I guess looking or thinking back on my eval of him, I think I was similar to you and that I saw him as this awesome, like third starter, like this connecting piece on the wing where, he was a really smart passer, good ball mover, didn't really force things, could score off ball, and then play just awesome team defense and even on-ball defense, um, depending on you know the, the, the type of athlete he was going against. But he was really passive a lot of the time when it came to, came to scoring his sophomore year at Michigan. So I was worried that, as to how that would translate. It He looks like a completely new man in Orlando, and he's attacking, he's forceful at the rim I just his scoring intentionality and how decisive he's been in that aspect of his game I think has been absolutely awesome and and it's he's in the talks for rookie of the year I he won't get there but I think he'll probably be top five finish based on how he's been playing especially if he can finish out the year like this yeah and I think you're spot on you know I said 23rd I meant I had him 21st so not as bad but still bad but <laughs> Um, I think my struggle when I was evaluating him is something you you hit on is he looked very passive when it, when it came to like creating offense. Um, when I watched him, I was very impressed defensively. I, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like that's that's the NBA skill. That's what you're thinking he's going to be. I just thought he was going to be this guy that took a couple of years 
to find that offensive group. Now, we always talk about this on previous podcasts, like fit is everything. Everyone knows that. He landed in a perfect spot because yeah. Orlando was like, hey, you're going to play. Like, you don't need to be nervous about making mistakes or missing your shots. Like, we're going to play you. You're in a position where you're going to be able to get consistent minutes. And then you just saw this light switch flick on for him this year, and he's been just sensational. And I, and I was not expecting this type of scoring, the outside shooting. I mean, he's had a couple 30-point games this year where he's just a force, and he looks like he's been in the league for eight years. So. I think that's the guy that you know I'm always proud to you know admit my misses so far it looks like a bit of a miss for me and um it's cool because you get to learn from that you get to be like okay maybe maybe you gotta not overanalyze the overthinking or the fact that the shot hasn't fallen but who who else are you thinking Ty from Team Barry I mean who else has stood out to you so and I, I feel like the the next place to kind of logically go here is the two guys, the two biggest names in, in Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, who yeah. and they've both been incredible. Um, everyone who pegged Evan Mobley as the rookie of the year after the first month, I get it. He's been awesome all the way through. Those of you who said Cade Cunningham was a bust and he sucked after two weeks when he played one game in his first two weeks. Well, that's a tough look for you because the kid is really fucking good at basketball and shocker. Um, all last season, Cade was always number one for me. Mobley was always number two and I didn't really move off that. And I'm still not really moving off of that. Um, and that's not a slight at Mobley at all. I love him. I love everything he does. And it's when he originally landed in Cleveland, I was like, Oh God, like, what is this going to be? Like, this is a weird fit. No, now they're bringing in Maury Markinen, another seven footer. What, what are they doing there? And it's worked perfectly. Shout out to JB, JB Bickerstaff. who's done an awesome coaching job. And then similarly with Cade, even though I don't think they really have the best pieces to surround him, they're slowly starting to give him the reins and being like, okay, like you're, you're catching up physically, you're healthy, the speed of the game, you're becoming more adapted to like, okay, this is your team. Here we go. So I'm really excited to see how they kind of build around Cade going forward and what shooting, what size um, and like rim protection they put around him. And then how high and how quickly Mobley can help elevate this Cleveland team because he's already done it to a pretty extreme factor, but also that but he also he's also kind of timed it really nicely not intentionally obviously but with the resurgence of Darius Garland who we had an episode about earlier this season about him making that jump um so I think just like those two kind of going to battle and not necessarily one-on-one but their production how they lead these young teams for you know and really being the centerpieces of those teams I think is really impressive from such an early age in their career. I agree. I, I mean, I was right there with you. I had, I had Cade and Mobley one, two. Um, I had those two locked in pretty early. I mean, when you watch the rest of the class and then you watch those guys that are like, okay, those are the two alphas. Just, they look like they're going to be superstars. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were going to be superstars getting drafted and Mobley's hit the ground running so damn quick. I mean, it's been awesome. Um, he was one of my favorite guys watching last year. I thought there was serious, like underrated nastiness to his game. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people were a little nervous about the frame, but I was like, no, he goes at people. Yeah. He's he's pretty angry on both sides of the ball. 
I was like you when they, when the Cavs drafted him, I was like, Oh, okay. Let's see how this works out with Jared Allen. And then they traded for Lori and I was like, what are we doing? And you know, it's been great. Yes. It's been awesome. I think he is scary good right now. And there's so much basketball still left with his game to be untapped. So Cleveland's going to have a monster brewing for the future. Cade. I mean, Whoa. Cade looks like he could be an MVP candidate a lot sooner than people think. Now, mm-hmm. Detroit's going to have to get some pieces. Um, I think last year was a little bit of a tease with how Detroit was playing. And people had this idea going into the season that maybe they could be much better and take a huge leap again. They, they've got some work to do. Um, but that's okay. I mean, they're in a great spot right now where Cade looks like a potential superstar. They're still going to have another high draft pick. Hopefully they get another asset, you know, if they get a top pick and get one of these three big guns, big forwards and put them next to Isaiah Stewart, like they're going to have some, they're going to get better in a hurry. So I've been so pleased with both of those guys. I think those are superstars that are going to continue to take over the league. And it, it's just been awesome to see Cade all of a sudden just finally find his groove because he really does look like he's going to be special. Yeah, and as excited as I am about Evan Mobley, I'm kind of equally, I don't want to say disappointed because I feel like that's too harsh this early in his career, but frustrated, irked with uh, Isaac Okoro. Um, I I had Okoro at two in his draft. I I absolutely loved him as a defender. I thought that he had like secondary playmaking chops, um, but the shot just hasn't come around at all. and he hasn't really been allowed to do that. Where, where were you at with the Coro uh, pre-draft and then kind of where, where are you landing on him now? I was in love with him pre-draft. I really, really think he's got the ability. Like, I still think he's got a high ceiling um, just because of the defensive ability. I had him around seventh and I'm looking at my big board. I'm not lying to everyone. I haven't seen this in about two years. Um, I had him at seven. I think through that process, that evaluation process, I kind of moved him up and down a couple spots. And I finally got to like six or seven. And I was like, okay, seven, there he is. I'm, I'm not moving him anymore. I really like the ability. It, you know what it is with a coral that frustrates me? He seems like he has these stretches where you're like, okay, yes. here it is. And, and the, it's finally the green light that's going to just take off. And I feel like he comes back down to earth and you're like, Damn. and then all of a sudden it happens again. So the thing with him is like, obviously we knew the outside shot um, was a work in progress heading into the draft, but the rest of the tools were just so special. It, he's just got to get that outside shot. And maybe this is one more off season if he just is like, okay, I have to get this locked down. Like, you know, it, it takes a couple of years for some guys. Um, Jalen Brown was a guy that the third year, fourth year, he took that sizable leap and mm-hmm. maybe we're just, you know, we're wanting too much for a Coro early on because, he really has some exciting tools, especially yeah. with his athleticism and his defensive ability. But um, I'm like you, a little annoyed, irked. Uh, I keep waiting for that switch to stay green, like stay on moving yeah. forward. But I'm still a believer. I, I, I think some of these guys that are raw athletic wings, you you have to definitely be patient. And with how Cleveland's had some success and how they're trending, like, they have the room now to kind of let Okoro patiently develop and, and establish some more confidence moving forward. But I understand Cavalier fans watching Mobley 
light the world on fire right away. And they're like, okay, Okoro, come on, like, let's go. But I do think like, let's give them another year. Then you regroup, reevaluate. And and then I, I think before we kind of finalize this team uh, by talking about Daniels, you went through your woefully wrong evaluation of Franz Wagner. Yes. I, I, I need to eat some crow on both the Houston guys who I was so wrong on uh, Jay Sean Tate, who I didn't even have ranked and Shangun, who I had at 33. Oh um, my gosh. You had Shangun at 33. I, I hated his game, man. I, I didn't get it. I, I had no idea what size he was. He was dominating a depleted um, European league who was depleted because of COVID things, screwing up their finances. And I thought the defense would be woeful. Um, the defense has been much better than I anticipated. I, he's still not a good defender, but it's been way better. Um, the, I think the biggest thing that I underestimated was the physicality that he played with um, and how, how, how much of a motor he had and how he constantly fights for every rebound and on defense and all of that stuff, which gives him such a buffer for when he does you know, get caught out of position in the pick and roll and stuff like that. So I, I, I was way off. I was wrong. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm he, that, that's one of those instances where I love being wrong because it's this guy who's drastically outperforming my expectations and he's been a lot of fun. His passing, his post moves, all of that stuff has been a, a, a lot of fun to watch. So I, I, I will gladly eat crow on him. Yeah, that might be worse than Franz. I feel a lot better about Franz now. Um, I had um, the prodigal son ninth on my big board. I wanted to have him higher. I loved everything about him uh, pretty much the whole year. I I was just drooling over him. Uh, But I'm not going to go. You're kind of pissing me off now, so I'm not going to (laughs) go too into detail about that. Jay Sean Tate's an Awesome story. I couldn't be yes. more pumped about that. I think every team needs a Jay Sean Tate, just one of those hardworking SOBs that claws his way to do anything to stick around and help the team. So that's just continues to be one of the best stories. Um, but yeah, let's move on before I say something hurtful. Yeah. So, so <laughs> at, at best place to round out this team is talking about the guy who's eligible for this year's draft. Dyson yes. Daniels. Where, where are you at with Daniels? Because it seems like kind of a mixed bag at this point where a lot of people are having him as the highest ranked ignite guy. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but the more I watch, the more I'm encouraged. I think he's pretty clearly the best defensive guard in this class, especially with his size. Um, I'm not sure if he's, I keep seeing a mix of, him being labeled a point guard or shooting guard. I think I'd prefer to try him at point. Um, I think he's a really good passer. The shooting I struggle with. I, he's currently 20th on my board. Where, where are you at with Daniels? Oh gosh, you're going to make me on the fly, get up my big board. I, right I, I don't need an exact number. Just uh, no, I think, uh, where, where's your heart at? I have, um, you, you know what it is with Daniels that um, it's not just watching him. You become a fan of the way he plays the game. I think when you're evaluating him, you also have to realize like this is the guy NBA teams are going to be fans of. Like he plays smart. He knows how to make the extra pass. He understands how to find his teammates. He keeps the ball moving. So like that's sort of gone into my evaluation. I have him, I think, around 11 or 12. Um, I feel pretty good about him being like 
one of these right outside the top 10 um, could sneak up if some teams just drooling over him. I think the question you have about his position is going to be interesting moving forward because he does have some serious point guard skills. Yeah. But he's, he's in a shooting guard's body. So, and he can't really, he hasn't shown the consistency to shoot. So you got to kind of figure out, okay, like what's his fit going to be? I, I think it's going to be important when it, like all these guys, but whatever team's drafting him has to have a specific plan of this is how we're going to play him in the rotation. We can play him next to this guy, blah, 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 blah. So I like Daniels. Um, I still think Hardy's the better Ignite prospect, even though there's plenty of people out there that like want to fucking throw him off their big boards. So I don't really get that. But yeah, I mean, is there is there a reason you're struggling to move Daniels up? Is there... You know what I'm trying to say is like, yeah. is there something you need to see a little bit more of? Because I do like the young, big size, yep. Yep. smart, like he checks boxes, but I understand the hesitancy because I had it early in the year. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to I am just struggling to figure out what position or role or role he play <clears throat> he plays, excuse me. Because I I like his passing, but mainly in kickout situations or like running a two man game. I don't think he's that advanced of a playmaker where mm-hmm. he's making that third, fourth level read or manipulating the defense. So I'm not, if he's not doing that, I'm not sure how viable he is at the point. But if that shot isn't really coming around, I'm not sure how viable he is as the off guard. I, I think I want him to, to be at that point guard, that lead guard scenario and kind of running that two man pick and roll with, you know, kind of surrounded by shooters, um, not necessarily a heliocentric model by any means, but I, I really like his interior scoring and operating out of the pick and roll, I think will only help him kind of get downhill a little bit easier and then open up passing lanes once he gets down there. Um, so I think I'd like him at point more, but just seeing a little bit more eye manipulation or advanced passing reads, stuff like that, that we get the occasional flash of, but it's, at least in the the games I've seen, I, I haven't seen a prolonged stretch of it. Yeah, I, I understand. Like I said, I understand the the doubts, the hesitations. I still think he's going to be one of those guys that is going to take a while for the rest of the game to come around, especially when it comes to scoring, because I think he's doing a lot of you know, he's scoring a lot around the basket. He's doing a lot of just strategic cuts and stuff. So he's going to have yeah. to work on his offensive versatility, but I do like the way he plays the game. I think he's a smart, intelligent player. I think there's definitely tools that you can get excited about. And I think NBA teams are going to be. For sure. Um, Moving on to team Isaiah, we have precious Achua, Desmond Bain, Sadiq Bay, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Jaden Hardy, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, Since this team has the second coming, um, I'm I'm just going to jump in line here and Jump off with Anthony Edwards, who I also owe an apology to. I, I yes, overthought his. Uh, I, I overthought that entire class. I, I ended up with him at four, which is just egregious. Uh, he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, he is a joy on and off the court. I love every fiber of his being. Um, he is magical, and I hope his knees get uh, 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 get get well rested over this this All Star week. So, what, what, where are you at with Ant? Um, is what you're seeing now kind of what you expected when he came out or does any of this surprise you? Um, 
Yeah, it's what I expected. And I know everyone's going to be like, bullshit. And I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you the truth. Like, you guys can go look at backcourtviolation.com if you want. The prehistoric dinosaur <laughs> that I used to write on every day. I literally posted an article, I think, the day after the lottery when the Timberwolves won it. And I wrote about Anthony Edwards needing to be the pick. And I think I titled it like a, a new wolf or something. I loved Anthony Edwards. I had him first overall on my board. I Everyone was vicious about LaMelo should be the first thing. And I said, screw it. I'm sticking to my guns. And I, I put my flag in that ground early. And I cannot believe Tyler Metcalf, Minnesota Timberwolves diehard, had Anthony Edwards fourth in that class. I might print a T-shirt with that statement on. Um, no, I just – I watched Edwards. I took into his account his age what he was showing at Georgia with the offensive upside. And there was just tools and strengths there that I was like, my goodness. I, and I, I was in, I was in love with the upside he had defensively. I still think there's some nasty levels of defense he can reach, but what he's doing offensively is incredible. He looks like a player that could take over the league with becoming a superstar. Um, He's just this infectious personality that is a competitor. He's a gamer. And and I just loved, I know he had his ups and downs throughout his college career at Georgia or his one year and people were overanalyzing that. And then we had the stupid moronical report come out before the draft that said, does he like basketball? And I was like, can we all shut up please and stop overthinking this? So yeah, I loved Anthony Edwards, Ant-Man. I can't yeah. believe you're fourth. Wow. Well, I, wow. So it, it was, I, I got too many Andrew Wiggins vibes. I, I wasn't ready to I be get it again. I, I, I was, I was vulnerable. Um, but I, 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 that's an example of me not properly factoring in situation. And that's something I'm trying to take a little more or wait a little more this season, especially with guys like Jalen Duran, who we've talked about plenty Perfect. Um, yeah perfect example. so so i everything he's shown so far in his nba career is pretty much exactly what he showed in that second half against michigan state in right Ma- maui or atlantis um where he was just absurd the defensive jump he's taken this year has been extraordinary he's an awesome defensive playmaker the shot he's up to mid to high 30s right now i believe i think it's like 36 percent um off the top of my head and he's just awesome at scoring the passing's there and he just he wants to be good which is and he's buying into the entire team concept which is something i worried about because again i didn't properly factor in situation and all that other stuff but i i, I could talk about anthony edwards for for days um but i think the other biggest well not the other but maybe the biggest su- surprise from this team has been desmond bain um and been he's been a huge factor of the grizzly success is uh, how surprising is bain's emergence as this awesome scoring guard for you um another guy i was really high on um i had him 19th on my board and I just, it, I feel like every draft class has a guy that people overthink because of age, um, because maybe it's like, well, we might not have the biggest upside there. And I'm like, well, that guy can play. That guy's going to make a team better. And I just watched Bain. 
he's one of the guys I just kept like, what is everyone not seeing with this guy? Cause I just thought the frame, the tools, the way he played the game, the outside shooting, I thought it was just like, this is a guy that if you got it him in the twenties, it's highway robbery. So it's been awesome that he went to Memphis the moment. I think the Celtics drafted him, which I'm a Celtics fan. And yep. I was like, oh my gosh, incredible. And then they traded him immediately. And I was like, I want to fight Danny Ainge. I would punch him in the face. No, I'm kidding, Danny. Hope you're well. So, um, yeah, I, I think Bain is a fantastic asset. Like, the team that drafted him needed him to be a contributing piece. And he would do it at a high level. And I think that's exactly what Memphis has. They have this guy that is a sensational asset, like, every team that wants to win a title needs Desmond Bain type of players where it's like they can come in and get you offense, make defensive plays, make smart, intelligent, like contributions all over the floor. I I was just a big fan of him um, in college um, evaluating him. And and I think this is awesome that he's getting the recognition, getting to play in this game. And I think he's going to be a piece that's really, really solid moving forward for years to come. Yeah, and I, I think another guy who's kind of accelerated um, or beaten his what most expected from him early on is Sadiq Bey, um, who I had at like 19, I believe. And it was never... Oh gosh, your board is disgusting. Where did you have Desmond Bain? Uh, 21. So oh. r- r- right in the same range as you. Okay. Um, so I, it was never a factor of me not liking Bay or thinking he would be bad. Right. I... I, I didn't believe in the upside. I, I thought he yeah. was pretty much what we saw was what we were going to get, which was a really good player, but I wasn't sure that that should beat out, you know, some of the upside swings that other guys in that draft provided. But what he's shown in Detroit early in his career, his far outpaced expectations. And I, I think it's been really impressive. And I, I think that pairs nicely with Isaiah Stewart, who you're about to get really irritated with me again uh who i had at 47 uh what? yeah Tyler. I, I i hated stewart like i said i way overthought this class uh i think stewart is another guy who i kind of similar to anthony edwards but in a little more extreme uh situation i i didn't factor in situation as you rub your forehead and disgrace um <laughs> for everyone but, listening like tyler i i've been like because tyler does a really good job with the draft guides that he's been pumping out over the years. And I, like I always like, I've, he has a great eye for talent, apparently not with this class, but I mean, <laughs> he really does really good work. Like I'm usually really impressed with all of his rankings. So, wow. It's just funny looking back now. I had, I had Stewart at 22. Yeah. And I had, so, so, some, so what made you so high on Stewart? Because I, motor, I, 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 yeah. I, okay. The motor, the, um, I thought he had really impressive touch around the basket. Um, I also thought he had some sneaky footwork, but just the motor, the defensive awareness. Um, I mean, he, he flies up the, he flew up the court in Washington. I just thought he was just all over the place. And I thought he had pillows for hands. I just was a really big fan. I had him at 22 and I was like, man, I really like this guy. Like I, I wanted to move him up. And I thought, if someone got him outside the lottery, I was like, that's going to be a great pick. Um, and with Sadiq, you know, Sadiq, I had 14. I just, I thought Sadiq was a Desmond Bain guy where it was just like, you need this guy. Like if you're trying to get out of the lottery, 
you need this guy. And Sadiq's also one of those guys that it was really funny because I went to summer league. I was talking to some people around the league and, you know, there was some caution. Like I think Sadiq might've had like a year that he's not that good. And I was like, really? Like why? Just because he's not playing on a bad team. And um, I still think the guy's a gamer. Like I, I think he's going to also be this piece where let's say Detroit gets another top three pick and they throw Jabari Smith in there somehow. Like, I think Sadiq's going to get better because he's getting more talent around him. Like, I think his game becomes more dangerous when you have to take attention away from him if you're defending him. Like, I think he's just one of those complementary pieces that's just going to be a really, really versatile weapon. So um, I'm really excited for the rest of this podcast to hear the rest (laughs) of your board rankings from 2020. This is this is getting way too exciting. It's not (laughs) me drinking the energy drink. Like now I'm just like, oh, my God. Okay, well, well, I, I need to build up some credibility again. So, okay. so let, let let let's pivot to Tyrese Halliburton, who I absolutely loved. I had him at five, um, okay. and I I never really understood the concerns with him. It's like, yeah, he's skinny, and yeah, he kind of has a funky shot, but it goes in all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, and he can launch from thirty feet. He can shoot off the catch. He can shoot when guys go under the screen, all that stuff. I thought he was an awesome playmaker. He was one of the best weeks or team defenders. um, I thought in the draft, especially at the guard position. So the fact that he came out surging right away and has continued to do that. And then got to a point where people were destroying an NBA franchise for trading him away for an all-star. I I think has been a pretty incredible uh, career turn for him uh, based on how draft Twitter covered him leading up to it so i had him super high pretty much the entire year and i i really just loved what he does because it it all seems to contribute to winning basketball and that seems to have have translated to the nba pretty seamlessly um are are you surprised by anything halliburton has done no not at all um and i'm not trying to brag or toot my own horn it's probably my entire life of evaluating prospects, like when I've taken this seriously, which is probably over 10 years. Um, that was probably my favorite prospect I've ever evaluated in my life. And I joked with Tyler about this before we got the podcast rolling. You know, I had a point in the evaluation process, I had him above Lamella. And um, I joked with Ty because I was like, I was too much of a wimp to stick to my guns. Like, that's how much I loved Halliburton. And, um, I ended up moving him down to five and I still have nightmares about it. Still wake up with a cold sweat, but it's one thing to evaluate a guy and be worried about his shot. It's one, it's another thing when the guy is shooting almost 50% from three and is just breaking every analytical record like possible in college. And he was just the most pleasant evaluation I've ever seen from a college guy um just really awesome like floor awareness he made that team so much better and I just loved watching him and seeing him all of a sudden just take off in the NBA I think that's just he's just going to be such a good player for such a long time and it's it is funny like how far we've come from you know if, if we're getting a time machine and you know we said 
Halliburton's going to be traded for Sabonis in a couple of years. Everyone would be like, what? And <laughs> right now it's like, oh my gosh, did the Pacers commit robbery? But um, I, I just thought he was a special talent. It's, it's going to be fun to continue to see him blossom because I think that's going to be a great fit for him too as well. And and then f- finally on that team, before we get to Jane Hardy, is Precious Achua, who I I, I actually kind of liked uh, at Memphis. I hit him at 17. Um, I, you know, kind of similar to how you really liked Stewart's motor. I had that same feeling with Achua and just his length. And I, I thought he was this kind of ball of clay that could be molded into pretty much anything. And, and I think him landing via trade in Toronto is probably the best thing that could potentially happen to him um, because they're just taking all the weird freak athletes up there and doing whatever they want with him. So I, I'm really intrigued to see how his career progresses. I think just being able to like knock down a corner three or something and just becoming a li- little more comfortable with the ball. Um, I think that will be huge for him, but just the rawness, the work rate, the athleticism, I I think is all really intriguing for a young player. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm being negative when I say this. I think that trade saved his career. Um, And I'm not, like I'm saying, I don't think he was going to have a bad career. I just think the fact that he went to Toronto was probably the best thing Precious could have had happen to him. Because I'm a big believer of his game. I think um, those are the type of guys that you want to get your hands on and continue to develop them over the years because precious is going to be a type of guy that if he continues to get better, he's going to be a really important piece. If you're a team that's, you know, going to be playing in a playoff series, like that's the type of presence and guy that can really um, make an impact and swing the momentum of a series just because he's energetic. He can rebound the shit out of the ball. Um, I, I was a fan. I think I had him right. I think I had him 23rd. I just looked. Uh Yeah. I had him right behind Isaiah Stewart just because I thought it was a rebounding presence that could get after it. And um, it's got some offensive upside. So I'm like you, it's awesome to see a bunch of these guys to get some recognition because it's only going to continue to improve their confidence. And then finally, Jaden Hardy, who was once kind of thought of as a top five pick has fallen significantly down most draft boards. Um, he's currently at 19 for me. I, I really, when things are clicking, he looks awesome, but then when they don't, it's brutal. And I, I, I've always been concerned about, um, the, I I don't think he has that great of a first step and I don't think he's that great of an athlete, which really hinders his face creation. Um, I know other guys like Corey and Nathan attribute a lot of that to his ball handling. I think the ball handling's okay. I think it's fine. It's not great. It's not good enough to be a legitimate on-ball space creator. But I, I know you were really high on Hardy early. You've tried to stay high on him. Um, how how high are you willing to remain on him? I'm. I, I got him in the top ten. I'm still there. I, there I'm go. not leaving that island. I, I bought a house on that street, and um, I'm not looking to put it on the market yet. So. I just think that this is a developmental stage. This is the G League Ignite. Like I've talked about this before. They're putting him in a position to develop for the NBA. Like he's getting ready for the NBA draft. They're trying to improve his weaknesses. So they're putting him on the ball a lot. Um, I still think he's going to be this very solid off the ball guy that can really become a more efficient player at the next level. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen right away, like Tyrese Halliburton, because that stuff just doesn't happen all the time. But 
I do still believe in them. Um, I'm probably going to be believing until I get the full sample and throw it all together. But, you know, I've been tracking him throughout the year just because that's one of the guys that I'm really not giving up on um, because I understand from seeing guys that we're even going to talk about later in this segment. Um, I've seen what the G League Ignite can do for guys. Like I've seen what putting those young talent down there and maybe they have some struggles, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So I, I still think Hardy's got plenty of talent. I think he's got plenty of upside. Um, I, I'm just not, I'm not bailing yet. I, I'm sticking to my guns. Moving on to Team Peyton, we have LaMelo Ball, Scotty Barnes, Io Dusunmu, Chris Duarte, who won't be playing, Scoot Henderson, Bones Highland, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Jaden McDaniels, and Davion Mitchell, who also will not be playing. Of that group, who who, who makes your heart sing? Who, who do you get really excited about? Um, I'm not going to go with the obvious, which is Scotty Barnes. So, Kaminga. Um, yes. Getting getting the recognition, getting this, the acknowledgement to go play, he should have gotten to go play right away. Um, I think he's going to be a potential superstar. Yeah, I, I had him seventh on my board. Um, another guy I got nervous about being too bold. I might have had him sixth. Did I have him sixth? Sixth. Sixth. Um, right behind Scotty Barnes. I was just in, in love. And um, if anyone listening and listen to the backcourt podcast um, that I did with Kyle Nishimoto, who's a G League coach, he got to spend a lot of time with um, Jalen Green, Kaminga, all those young guys down there. And he just, he raved about Kaminga. And, and I was like, man, I, I, I'm in love with watching this guy. Like, I really think there's something special there. And the moment he got drafted by Golden State, I was like, perfect place to go. And, and um the, the stuff he's shown already, oh my gosh. I mean, he has the ability to be really special. So, yeah, Kaminga gets me gets me hyped up. What about you, Ty? Give, give me one that you're thinking of, unless you want to go back about Kaminga. No, I, 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 I'm glad Kaminga's shown what he has and kind of validating us keeping him at six when so much of the world was dropping him even into the teens and even the twenties. I saw some places which always felt absurd given his, you know, just physical abilities. Um, other than that, I, I, I think Jane McDaniels is a fun place to start. Uh, you know, obviously cause I'm a Timberwolves fan and he has been, I think maybe, maybe one of the steals of that draft. I, I was way too low on him. He was another guy who I really overthought and didn't factor in situation at all. Um, I had him in like the mid twenties. I had him but in there too. So I, I, I guess he, he looked like thing. he hated basketball. Yes. It, it was just a tough year of tape. It was some rough yeah. tape. Um, and he was getting technicals left and right. He was fouling a ton, which he kind of still is. Um, it's cleaned up some, but um, not now that he's in more of that, just be this defensive menace and off ball scoring role. And a lot of the on ball kind of creation and responsibilities have been taken out of his hands. He looks so much better. And we even got him to smile the other night, which is a rare occurrence. Um, but the, the, the shot still isn't, you know, where you want it to be, but he's showing a maturity and an ability to cut and pass and score more at the rim. And I, I think this guy is going to be a first team all defensive player um, sooner rather than later too. 
Can can I can we stick on McDaniel's for a second? Because I actually have. Yeah. I mean, you're the T Wolves guy, so I haven't just watched him enough this year. Um, but this was a guy I really struggled with with evaluating because I'm like you. That was rough tape, and you know he was a preseason top five hype guy. They hyped him out of control, and he just had a tough year. I had him super low, um, and then someone I respect said like, "No, you need to go back and realize that it, don't just." rely on one season and then I ended up having him in the late 20s but is I'm trying to figure out how to word this I'm talking about him right now like Mm -hmm. is he slowly on the on the rise is there like you're seeing flashes each game or do you think it's one of those like he needs another full off season like you're still waiting for that light to click is it how we talked about Okoro like earlier is it the light comes on and then kind of fades you know what I'm trying to say like What's the yeah. next step you're trying to – he just needs to be more consistent? Like, I'm trying to figure out what needs to happen for McDaniels to all of a sudden be like, okay, he's he's here, he's legit going to be a problem. Because I do think he's looked fantastic sometimes. I've watched him with Minnesota. Yeah, and so early in the season, he was fouling the most in the entire league. So – just yeah, he, not he great. couldn't get into a rhythm. Um, he couldn't get any playing time because he's always in foul trouble, and that really fucked with his confidence um, and just ability to get in the flow of the game early on. And he he's cleaned that up a ton. I defensively, he's incredible. Um, and the the way he moves his feet, he's sneakily strong uh, given his frame. And his length is absurd. And his weak side defense and on-ball defense, um, especially when he's on the floor with Vanderbilt, is just a nightmare to deal with. The biggest kind of shift they've made is his shot still just isn't coming along as quickly as you'd want it to. And when he's on the floor with D'Lo, Ant, and Towns, he spends so much time just sitting in the corner because those guys are the focus. And when he does that, at least earlier in the season, it was just catch and shoot out of the corner. Shots not falling when you're going 0 for 5 from the corner every game. It you know, it's not great. You're not contributing a ton on offense. Now he's playing a little more with just the second unit and kind of acting as that second or third scoring option, which is allowing him to attack closeouts and cut and kind of dribble and pass, which he's showing really impressive passing flashes. So it's it's just giving him a little more creation opportunities that he really isn't afforded with like that main three. It's interesting you say that because um, talking about his defense, that was the one thing I kept going back to try to sell myself on him as a college player. I was like, he's really got some upside defensively. I was like, yeah. he was nasty at Washington. Like he was this guy that could come over from weak side, block shots of the rim. Like he was, he had some serious instincts. So um, I'm like you, it, it seems like it's just one of those guys, like we talked about Okoro where, the shot, if it comes around, it's just unlocking a whole nother type of player. So interesting. I'm, I'm interested with McDaniels. Um, so is there anyone else on this list who's or on this team who really jumps out to you? I mean, LaMelo has been awesome. Um, I, I don't think there's too much to rehash there. Um, Scotty's been incredible. I'm so proud of his yes. offensive jump. I don't want to go too deep into that, but that is also like an important evaluation. Um, I guess process or configuration when anyone out there is like watching guys like the, the massive leap he had when it came to 
confidence from his jump shot from playing at Florida State to his rookie year is incredible. Like, yeah. I've never seen – he had some attempts in college where, like, he was wide open at the elbow and, like, didn't want to shoot. Yeah, that, that's what I couldn't get my head around was the shot. It was I, I just didn't know what he would be. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was so crazy how quickly it shifted. So that's awesome. Um, really pumped to see Scoot Henderson. I, I mean, if you have anyone else, like Bones, shout out Bones. Um, uh, you know, just I, Io has exceeded my expectations. Um, oh, I, I thought he would... I always thought he would be. I always thought he would be a, a a good rotation player, but he's hit a level a lot higher than I I thought. Um, but I, I appreciate him, Duarte, and Davion proving that just because you're old doesn't mean you can't be a, a really good player in the NBA. Where did you have Dasumu on your board? Because I was a humongous fan of Io. Shout out Corey, you got a great one. I was like shocked that NBA teams didn't give him more buzz. Um, I believe like late first okay. early second kind of range um yeah it's, it's like like early second round oh gosh you're 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 giving me nightmares i have a 24 i, 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 I love him i love okay him. yeah I mean, I, we're like 10, 10 spots off so just yeah general, i just grew up i had him at 24 and i wasn't happy about it i should have had him higher i, I just loved him i thought every year he went back to illinois um he got better uh he was thinking about declaring before he went back for another year. And the word was like, scouts want to see him become a more out, uh, consistent outside shooter. He did that. And then all of a sudden he got no buzz. I, I, I just don't care. I love, I loved him. He was, yeah. Kept checking boxes. So moving on. Moving yeah. on. And then I, it, we should mention Scoot Henderson. I don't want to dive too deep into it because he's not eligible for this year, but he's going to be awesome. And the the debate between him and Victor next year, I think is going to be a lot of fun. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the masses think of him once they get kind of more eyes on him. Uh, uh, do you have any uh, burning Scoot thoughts or are you, you good to move on? Um, Victor, moving on. <laughs> All right. I'm we're kidding. It's to- early, folks. Already locking in next year's draft rankings. Well, okay, I, got it. Um, shit that yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, right. Were so, we on worthy? Yeah, team worthy. We got Cole Anthony, Marjan Beauchamp, uh, Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Herb Jones, Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Suggs. Go. Uh, one to ten. Are you worried about Jalen Green? Ooh, uh, green. No, this is almost exactly what I thought his rookie season would look like. Thank you. I'm the same. I'm in the same boat. Houston Rockets fans. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I think he, that guy he, is gonna he, have he needs a, a point guard. I think that guy is going to have an off season on a war path and he's going to come back next year and go nuclear. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think his body will look completely different. Yes. Um, and it's, it's just a lot of the kind of early career struggles that guys like Zach Levine and Devin Booker got where they should be these off guards, but they're getting early career on ball reps, which will help them long-term, but the short-term results will be pretty disastrous. Oh, that's weird. It sounds like Jaden Hardy, uh, moving on <laughs> or Ivy. <laughs> um, no, I, I just, I don't want to talk about too much about the big boys because we all know that. I just think Houston fans, like, don't – anyone mm-hmm. out there, don't stress about Jalen Green. I couldn't agree more with Metcalf. I think this was the rookie year that is more common 
Like we've been yeah. teased with these last couple draft classes of like guys just hitting the ground running. It doesn't always happen like that. Like guys take time to get rolling, especially off guards that are all of a sudden playing like against dogs every night. And he's still yeah. young. He's got to add frame. So I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm going to let you pick. Who do you want to talk about? I want to give some love to Herb Jones. Who yes, her. I think has been a, the darling of this draft class. Um, I, I was worried about Herb's shot. Um, I loved him as a college player, but without the shot, I was confused as how he would really translate. The shot's been way better than I ever thought, but he, he falls into that kind of prototype of player, that archetype of player that I talked with Alex um, on an earlier episode when we did our draft philosophy um, of guys that I – typically struggle with where they're like these power forwards who can't shoot, but they do pretty much everything else at a really high level. And for some reason, my brain just can't comprehend how to plug those guys in. I mean, he was the sec player of the year, the sec defensive player of the year. He was Alabama's point guard for God's sake. Um, And he's just been awesome. So that that's been really cool to see his defense immediately translate. And then his offense take another jump. So he's been a very pleasant surprise this season. I also struggle with those guys because um, like Herb was one of those guys I've watched them. And every time I watched them, I just loved them. Um, yeah. And the shot did worry me, but I also find like when you're evaluating those guys and, and this is something that I came around to, but I just didn't, I didn't stick to my guns. I had him like as a mid second rounder. And I was like, man, but if he goes to the right place, Someone's yeah. going to get a steal. And then when he went to New Orleans, I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's just been awesome. Like, they, he's just been fantastic. But with Herb, it was like, okay, the, the defense was the elite, was the NBA skill. And then he was a playmaking force for Bama. Like, he was just making beautiful decisions all yeah. over the court. And he was a little nasty with, like, rebounding and stuff. So I think when you get to that point with a guy, you start – checking boxes and you're like okay yeah the shot's worrisome but he also does a lot on the court so maybe that's something that makes him thrive and and i yeah you know we we are not perfect with as evaluators um you learn from every draft class and that was one of those valuable lessons where i was like i love her why am i not believing in him more like i'm probably focusing too much on the shot which is important but I just thought he did too many things at a high level that he was going to stick. Um, so yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, he was a tough one. It, it, it's those are the prom- problematic evaluations. You really start to second guess yourself. Um, anyone else besides um, the Wizard of Oz? I he he he's beautiful in in yes. every aspect. Um, I I love his game so much and. Very excited for his teammate Trey Mann to take over this game next year too. Um, but I'm so excited for the Trey Mann breakout. Um, Giddy uh, and Trey Mann. We were talking about Giddy. If you guys didn't pick up on that, but yeah, I think <laughs> OKC. We might look up in a couple of years and be like, "Whoa, okay, Sam Presti, you got some serious firepower on that roster." He's literally just doing like 2K GM mode and just trading all yeah. of the picks for like talented rookies. He's going to have to try to pay 15 players max contracts. So, um, 
Who else? I, I, oh. I want to throw a question back at you. Basically, okay. same one you threw at me for for Jalen Green, and I have a feeling I know what the answer is. But Jalen Suggs, zero no. to ten. Howard, zero. I'm not <laughs> negative, worried at all. Negative five. <laughs> I'm not worried at all. Negative ten. I, I mean, he's starting to come on. Yes. I wrote that article yes. in the beginning of the year about it you know time. point guards take time and Shop. drink. I'm, yeah, drink. <laughs> For everyone listening, uh, my no ceilings team hazed me and created a graphic making fun of all of the phrases I say all the time. So that's why Metcalf just said drink because I said it takes time. Um, no, but I'm not worried about Suggs at all. I, I think we're finally seeing the, the flashes at the right time. This all-star break is going to be fantastic for him because he's going to be feeling good about playing in this game, getting the recognition. And I do think he'll have another strong stretch at the second half of the season. And that's the type of stuff you root for if you're a Magic fan. Like, get Suggs to have another strong stretch, full off season, works his butt off because we know what type of kid he is. And then he comes back next year and is on is on the warpath. So I, I'm really, really excited about Suggs. Um, there's not a lot of guys, like I know we're saying that because they're all in the All-Star game, that I'm like worried or nervous about. I think, you know, yeah. um, Davion Mitchell, we talked, I mean, he was on Team Peyton, but guy that's starting to play really good now. Um, we might have to get off Monty McNair's back that he made that trade. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched a ton, so I'm going to lean on you. What what are your vibes? Like, I, I was a fan. I think he's going to be something really nice. I just haven't watched him specifically. I can admit this. Like, I'm sorry. I just was watching International Draft Prospects the other night. But Tyrese Maxey, what, what are your vibes? Are you thinking he's on the right path to take another step forward? Um, are you thinking he's kind of reaching, like, what he's going to – be moving forward you know what i'm trying to say like Mm -hmm. is there still some more levels to his game to unlock yes and i definitely think there is another level and you know i i kind of think philly thinks that too since by all reports he was you know uh, completely off the table in that hardened trade um what i'm concerned about is how his development goes now that hardens coming in because i think the his actual point guard duties that he was his ability to run an offense and shoot and score and pass just all all of that from maxi i think has really developed nicely as the season has gone on and i'm really concerned about how if that or if that develop development gets derailed now that harden comes in because we we all know how james harden wants to play and Maury bringing him in. I think we all know how James Harden is probably going to play. Um, and that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for Maxi to do what he's done. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not pressing the panic button or anything by any means, but I I'm really curious to see how that fit kind of works um, in the next couple of weeks. I guess you kind of worded what I'm thinking better. So I appreciate you reading my mind. I guess I just haven't watched him super close this year because yeah. I'm wondering the same thing. Like, has he been taking this leap as the primary ball handler? Because I felt when he was coming into the draft, like he needed to have the ball in his hands more often. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought if someone tried to turn him into like primarily an off ball guard, cause he is a little undersized for an off ball guard. I just thought like, no, this guy could play point. Like he could be nasty. He could defend. 
Um, so I'm, I guess I'm right there with you. I'm trying to figure out like, is this gonna pause the development now that like, he's going to have to go back to playing a little bit off the ball or is it going to help him? Is he going to get a lot of easy spot up shots? Because we know he can stretch the floor. Yeah. I, I, that that's what I'm most fascinated about with this trade. I, I everyone goes to the Harden and Bead pick and roll pairing, and that that'll be interesting. But they're you know they're two perennial MVP candidates, so I think they'll figure it out to some level. And being as obsessed with the draft as we are, you know, I always go towards how's that going to affect this young guy who's looking really fucking good and been a right. lot of fun this season. So yeah, I, I definitely think that for me, at least that's kind of the biggest thing I want to keep an eye on with that team. Um, but to, to round this team out, shout out Cole Anthony. Um, you've had an awesome season, uh, not trying to ignore you, but Marjan Beauchamp, the final G league ignite guy in this draft. Um, I think I'm a little lower on Beauchamp than a lot of the guys um, and no ceilings are. Uh, I think Nathan and I went back and forth on it um, a couple of weeks ago, just kind of explaining my reasoning. Um, where, where are you at with Beauchamp? I, I like him, but I'm not in love with him. Yeah, so he seems like a guy that I just keep inching up my board um, each time. I've got him right inside the top 20. I thought I was going to keep moving him up, and I feel like I might just be kind of staying still. Um, okay. And it, it it happens. It's just one of those like, okay, I need to go back and do another dive and dive to the 10 to 20 range and see if I feel the same way about all those guys, which I won't spoiler alert. I'll probably be moving everyone, but I think Bochamp's really intriguing um, because of the type of impact you could have where it's one of these game wreckers that comes in and makes a bunch of hustle plays. Um, there's still some tools to his game that need to be developed. Like the outside shots taken leaps forward um, compared to the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And he's showcasing that he could have the ability to consistently shoot from outside. But I do think there's a lot that needs to be, you know, developed. Like he needs to become a more consistent defender. He has the potential to be a really nice defensive piece that can um, guard multiple positions. But I think there's still some fundamentals that need to be ironed out. So I think, you know, people are going to point out like, well, I think he's 21. He's going to be 22 ish around draft day. Um, Sorry, Marjan, if I'm, getting that wrong no you're gonna be 20 sorry i thought you were older I, th- I thought he is older whatever all right now i'm rambling um but i do think like teams love those energetic guys that they're just gonna get at a certain point certain value in the draft and be like he's gonna come in and play his butt off and he's one of those garbage guys that just like can do everything he possibly wants to on the court to make an impact so um what what are you thinking about Marjan when it comes to like what does he need to do more to get you to buy in a little higher? Because I do understand everyone that has some hesitation. I think he was getting some serious buzz, and it almost feels like that buzz has cooled down a little bit lately. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because people are a little nervous to keep moving him up now, like that he's reached a certain point in the year. So what are you where are you at with him, Matt? Yeah. So uh, just for fact checking. Um, he he is 21 October 21. Birthday. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I, I just, I, I have him at 23. So kind of same general range as you. I, I love the transition offense. Um, 
I think there's a lot to, there to like on with his defensive upside. Um, I think on ball is way better than off ball. I think off ball, he gets lost and kind of ball watching a lot. Um, so I, like you said, there, there's some technical things and awareness things that really need to get tightened up. The shooting improvement has been really encouraging. I just don't know if he'll ever actually have much on ball equity and ability to create for himself or others being just a spot up shooter and someone who can score in transition and, you know, be a positive defender that, that that's an important role in a rotation. And that will, you know, keep him around in the NBA for a handful of years, but I'm not sure if that of that role being your ceiling is worth more than a top or is worth a lottery pick is what I guess I'm trying to say. Whereas, you know, in the lottery, I may be more inclined to take a home run swing on a guy who I think can, can have more of that on ball equity or higher scoring upside. You get what I'm saying? Um, so that, that that's my concern is that how close is he to his ceiling and how impactful can that off ball shooting be? The improvement has been really encouraging, but at the start of the year is rough. And then how much of a defensive leap can he take? Because I, I think they're, there there's definitely room there for him to improve. Um, and there are signs and tools that suggest he can, I'm just not sure if he will. So it, it's just kind of some questions like that. Yeah. The, the ceiling, um, point you bring up is really, really like, I agree. I, I think it's really smart. I think what was going on is when you looked at this class, you know, me and you have talked about this before. I know some no ceilings guys have talked about this too. I think there was this range in the first round that we're still looking for guys to make some noise and climb up. Like we're, there's this awkward range um, when you get to like almost the mid to late first round that you're like, man, it's just, there's some uncertainty with a lot of these guys. And I think Bochamp was the guy that people were like, okay, this guy could go up there. Now that he's gotten into that range with some people, I think, now we're kind of like, okay, but are we going to move him up? And, and I think now he's kind of in that awkward spot where it's like, if someone starts to heat up, maybe someone starts to have a strong tournament, I think they could probably get in front of him, which might move him down a little bit. Because I do think there's tools, there's stuff to get excited about, but you got to weigh in like, okay, like you're saying, Ty, like where is the ceiling? Is it being is it is he is he hitting the roof already, or do you think there's still stuff to be unlocked? Because there's flashes, but um, you need to also figure out like, can that all come around on a way more consistent level to unlock another player? I think he's just going to keep being an interesting prospect to evaluate moving forward. Absolutely. Well, Rucker, as we end every episode, what's the best thing you saw in the basketball world? Oh gosh, and I never ever prepare for this answer. And I'm the worst. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll give me. Um, <laughs> I got. Um, I got one. I'll go back on. Um, last night, I, I t- glowed about the Celtics in the previous podcast. Last night, I watched that whole Celtics Pistons game, and I was so impressed with the Pistons because they battled their butt off, like. Every time the Celtics threw him a haymaker, the Pistons threw one right back. They ended up pulling out a really impressive road victory, victory um, heading right into the all-star break. I just thought that was a huge win for the Pistons, you know, team moving forward, build some confidence. I really, 
I think Detroit's in a great position. I, I think they're going to get another good draft pick and they have the right pieces. It's just going to take time. <laughs> what about you, Metcalf? What was it? Hit me with it. Johnny Davis. That's it. It was uh, what, drink. <laughs> what what he did against Indiana was lovely and, and just I, capped it capped it off with with the wave to the fans and screaming bye bye. That, that's Which, probably one of my favorite things he's starting to do now. But it was amazing watching that game back to see. Yeah, I think he had thirteen in the final four minutes after they were down five on the road. So yeah. I knew you were needing a special moment to yourself to watch <laughs> that game. But yeah, it seems like him and Ivy just keep like one guy gets hot. The other guy gets hot. One guy gets hot. It's just, that's almost becoming more exciting than the top three debate. Yeah, It's like, which guard would you rather have right now? I know your answer, so we don't need to ask that, but I'm just saying, I do think it's going to be uh, the top, the top of this draft, like, the top seven is going to get really juicy moving forward, especially if these guys have some deep tourney runs. Yeah, it, it's definitely shaping up a lot more nicely than it looked like a month or two ago. Um, but Rucker, please plug away. Tell the people where they can support you. No ceilings, NBA. Um, things are going to get vicious around here. Uh, I don't think anyone on our staff is – mentally prepared. I mean, and we've been talking about it for months, but I think we're all really getting antsy for the grind that's about to happen starting in March. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, this has been a blast and this is about to be a train out of hell. And uh, I'm at no ceilings.substack.com. I'm going to have plenty of good pieces coming up in the near future. Metcalf, you do, you do your thing because you're better at this than I am, but I am just, mentally trying to prepare myself for the chaotic twister of anarchy that's coming soon. Well, by the, by the time you're listening to this, uh, my, my piece on Gabriel Procida's score and versatility should be up. Um, make sure to go read Rucker's piece on Matteo Spagnolo that went up the other day. Um, but once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. And please make sure to subscribe to the No Ceilings Substack at noceilings.substack.com where you can find all of our written work and please make sure to follow us on Twitter at no ceilings NBA. And even more importantly, please, please uh, subscribe and go over to our YouTube channel at no ceilings TV. Um, please su- help or support us over there so we can start generating a little more income and doing some really cool things. Uh, like Rucker said, we have some awesome plans for the NBA draft and March madness and everything that's coming. And, your support there helps us do even cooler things um, that we, you know, ha- have have in mind. So please go over to YouTube, Twitter, support us on all those spots and Substack. It's completely free; gets delivered directly to your inbox. No excuse not to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five star rating. Until next time, see ya. <laughs>